You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again at OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online and in iTunes because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So again, thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. On today's episode, we are going to talk all things debit spreads and credit spreads. In particular, we're going to talk through all the different scenarios about when you would use each one of these, the kind of market environments, directional assumptions, all of that stuff that might help you make a smarter decision. Now, as we start getting into this show, I want to talk about both of these, and then we'll talk about just some more stuff on like when to use different deltas and timelines, things like that towards the end of this episode or towards the end of this, I guess, segment before we get into Trader Q&A and the closing bell. So that's going to be the, the kind of layout here for today. So to get this thing started off with, we're going to talk debit spreads first. Now, debit spreads, really quickly, for those of you who are not familiar with what debit spreads are, these are directional option buying strategies where you are net paying for an option spread. So in this case, you might buy a put debit spread, which would be a directionally bearish position where you're buying a put option and then selling a put option at a lower strike price. You could also buy a call debit spread, which is a directionally bullish position where you are buying a call and then selling a call at a higher price. So they are both the directional in nature and it's sometimes confusing on you know the puts and the debits and credits and all this stuff. So just take your time with it. But again, debit spreads are there for positions where you are still net outlaying money. You're paying money to get a new position. You are being an option buyer. Now, for most debit spreads, you want to enter those. If you do, you want to enter those positions during lower IV environments generally. And the reason that you want to do that is because if you're going to enter a position where you are net buying options, you want to do so when implied volatility is super low. We're talking in the you know range, IV rank range under 20, because at that point, implied volatility is so low that if you enter a debit spread and you're going to buy options, one way that you can potentially profit from that is if implied volatility increases. Now, that's not the only way, obviously. You still need probably a directional move in the underlying stock or security that you're trading, but you could generate some money from the option spread if implied volatility does go higher. So obviously, you want to enter those positions during generally lower IV environments, super low IV rank setups. Now, with debit spreads, you're also going to be more directional in your assumption. The way I think about debit spreads is, you're going to have a pretty hard and pretty firm assumption that the stock is going to turn around and or continue in the same direction. With debit spreads as opposed to credit spreads, you really need the stock to move. That's the the underlying foundation of those is that if you're going to be bearish on something, it had better move down. If you're going to be bullish on something, the stock had better move up. Stocks staying the same or not really moving in any one particular direction, just kind of you know trading around where you enter the position generally doesn't work out too well for debit spreads. So like I said, you want to get into these debit spreads when you have a really big, very strong directional assumption. Now, this is where you can use some technical analysis. We've done debit spread trades here at Option Alpha, and I think we actually did some on closing bell segments maybe four or five episodes ago. But when we get a technical signal, either a buy signal or a sell signal from our signals research, that's when we're more likely, not like it's going to happen all the time, but when we're more likely 
to enter a debit spread trade and go directional on something because we have those underlying technical signals that are maybe giving us a little bit more of an edge that the stock might turn around or continue in that same direction. The last thing that you're going to use debit spreads for if you're not going to trade just a directional assumption is you're going to use it for hedging purposes. And the reason that it works well for hedging purposes is because it offers quick exposure in one direction or another. So whereas opposed to credit spreads like you'll hear about in a second are sometimes slower to move, meaning that their premium comes in in a much slower fashion, debit spreads are a really good way to quickly hedge a portfolio and get some immediate bearish exposure or immediate bullish exposure added to a basket of trades that you have. So for example, if we had a bunch of positions and we're getting a little bit too bearish, we need some bullish exposure, we might go out and buy a call debit spread, which effectively is going to give us exposure as soon as the market starts continuing to move higher or the underlying continue to move higher. There's not going to be this lag time. There's no range. It's just literally a line in the sand, right? With debit spreads. You are generally buying these spreads around at the money strike. So as soon as the stock starts moving higher, the ETF starts moving higher, but you have immediate exposure towards that stock going higher. So that's the purpose of it. Like I said, we don't trade debit spreads that often. It's very much a uh, endangered species for option alpha traders, but we do use it for hedging purposes and then some directional trades here and there. When we switch over now and talk about credit spreads, Credit spreads are opposed to debit spreads, a net selling strategy. So with a credit spread, you would traditionally sell a spread out of the money. So if the stock is trading at $100, you might sell the 105 call and buy the 110 call. Or if you're using a put credit spread where you're going slightly neutral to bullish on the stock, you would sell the 95 put and buy the 90 put. So you're traditionally selling these options out of the money giving yourself a high probability of success, but also taking in potentially a lower premium. So you're going to reduce the amount of money that you can make for the offset of having potentially a much higher probability of success at the end of the day. Credit spreads are actually great in all environments. So this is where it does get confusing for people. And I believe me, I know that this is sometimes a sticking point for people to understand. But although we said that debit spreads work better in low IV, that doesn't mean that you should use them over credit spreads. What we learn in our backtesting research and through our profit matrix report is that even though implied volatility can be low, that doesn't mean that the over expectation of implied volatility pricing or the IV edge that we gain selling options disappears. It just actually gets reduced. So our edge or our potential profit with expected returns is much smaller in low IV environments. Again, not that it disappears. It's just that that edge goes down and becomes smaller. So you can still trade credit spreads. You can still sell options during low implied volatility markets. In fact, they're still very successful to do it. You just want to scale back your position size. So credit spreads work well in all environments. When implied volatility is high, maybe you scale up and allocate a little bit more towards that trade. When implied volatility is low, you don't stop trading them. You just trade less of them or scale back the position size. Now, credit spreads as opposed to debit spreads are less directional in nature. Now, of course, we can set up credit spreads to be bullish or bearish. You can set up a put credit spread to be bullish, and technically it is bullish. You want the stock to go higher. But with a credit spread, you have the flexibility that if the stock stays the same or even goes lower, that you have a potential to make money. So again, to use our example, if the stock is trading at $100 and we end up selling the 95 put and buying the 90 put, The stock can stay at $100, we make money. It can go down actually to say $97 and we can still make money or it can go up and we can make money. 
So it has less directional risk for an options trader as opposed to a debit spread. Now, again, the offset here is that because you have less directional risk, you take in less money if you, you know, as opposed to a debit spread. Debit spread has more directional risk, but when you win, you win potentially more money. Ultimately, credit spreads are going to pay way more money, are going to have lower drawdowns, higher expected returns, which is why we focus on trading them as kind of the core building blocks of many trades that we do. Now, another thing to notice about credit spreads or to take note of with credit spreads is that they're income driven and they react slower to the underlying market movement. So like I said earlier, one of the things that's great about debit spreads is that they offer fairly quick hedging for a position or for a portfolio. As soon as the stock starts moving, your position is in the money and generally making some pretty good money as well. With credit spreads, since you're selling options and your income is capped, it's generally slower to react to the market movement because it's an out-of-the-money option. And so what that means is that you don't necessarily realize the profits until much later in the expiration period. This is also why some people don't like initially trading credit spreads because they feel like they don't see the results until later on. They might have to wait and be patient, which sometimes can be hard for traders. We might have to wait and be patient for those results to start coming in, maybe you know, 15 or 20 days later in the expiration cycle. Not to say it can't happen earlier, but it, it typically starts to really materialize and really solidify further out in the expiration cycle. So hopefully it's been good to look at these differences between, again, debit spreads and credit spreads, just to get you a general idea of which one you should trade and, and when you should trade them. Now, in both cases, obviously, strike prices, where you actually end up choosing strike prices matter a lot, and it's based on time and implied volatility levels. And what I mean by this is that when we went back and, again, did tons and tons of research on this and published our results in the profit matrix, what we found is that there's no one-size-fits-all solution. And if you're looking for one, this is probably not the episode to listen to because there's none. There's no one-size-fits-all answer that says, in every way, shape, and form, you should trade credit spreads at the 15 delta or the 20 delta or the 30 delta. It's just not how it works. Different types of setups work better in different market environments. That's really what it comes down to. So when you're 40 days out from expiration and implied volatility is in the 75th rank, you might set up the trade a little bit different than if you're 40 days out and implied volatility is in the 25 rank. That's the type of thing that we tried to build out with our software, which you can get at optionalpha.com slash toolbox. But it's those types of tweaks that actually make a really big difference. In some cases, a couple hundred percent difference in return over the course of five or 10 years. I mean, that's a huge difference in how you set up trades. So What I wanted to do today, again, is just to give you the broad strokes of, you know, the types of market environments that you would use it in, but you're obviously going to want to, you know, double check and run some back testing to see where those strike prices might be best based on time until expiration, implied volatility level, account size, et cetera, et cetera. So again, if you want to learn more about this, you can head on over to optionalpha.com slash toolbox and see a nice little demo, see um, some examples of how we use our software to find these different setups based on all these different market environments. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. When you sell a call, why do you need to buy another one below it? 
All right, so Danny, thank you so much for the question today, which is actually a really fitting question that I threw in here for this show, which is basically around this concept of you know understanding why do we need to buy another contract. Now, the answer here is, of course, you don't need to buy another contract when you're selling a call or even when you're selling a put. It's a choice for you to turn a naked option sale into a spread. And all you're effectively doing by using some of your capital that you collected by selling that first option is you're using some of that capital to buy yourself a little bit of insurance and protection, a hedge against your own position. And the reason that most people do this and the reason that I do this is because it creates this defined risk outcome, which means that we know exactly how much we're making. We know exactly how much we can potentially lose. Now, again, the markets are pretty fair and efficient in the sense that when you do spreads and you cap your risk, you're going to reduce your downside or you're going to reduce your potential to make some money. So if we are to sell a call option for $100 and then we have to buy another call option at a higher strike to create a spread, if we do that and that option costs $20, well, we're capping our risk at that higher strike price, but it costs us $20 in premium. So now our total profit might be $80. But again, that risk reward may be a good trade-off for you. Maybe you're comfortable doing that because you you know have a smaller account and you don't want to risk too much money or you think that the stock might go dramatically higher, right? There's a lot of different things that go into this. So I personally believe that in most cases, if you have the ability, especially during low implied volatility markets like the one that we're in generally right now, when you have these opportunities to cap risk for very cheap then it's a no-brainer. Most of the trades that we've been doing lately with our Pro and Elite membership have all been trades where we're buying options, you know, five or ten dollars out, but it's only costing us a couple dollars, five bucks here, six dollars there, and we're still taking in three or four hundred dollars of premium. And so I'm okay, you know, cutting the tail end risk of these positions because it it doesn't cost me too much money, and I can still collect a pretty decent premium. And this is also why during high implied volatility markets. You have the ability to sell options further out for more money, and you don't need necessarily to buy those tails or give yourself a lot of risk protection because you're selling options so far out of the money anyway, implied volatility is so high, option pricing is so high, your break-even points are just that much wider. It has a ton more margin for error even during a seemingly crazy market, and they backtest actually really well to go naked in most cases during high implied volatility. So Hopefully it helps answer the question again. You don't need to do it unless you want to or want to reduce risk, create a risk-defined position. And hopefully today's discussion on debit spreads and credit spreads helped out as well. So remember, if you guys want to get your question answered here on the podcast or live on Facebook and Periscope, please head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask. We do take it first come first serve. And since we're doing these also as part of our daily call on our new podcast, which is the daily call. We are definitely looking for a huge backlog of questions. So if you have a question, you don't think that we'll get to it or we haven't gotten to it yet, please keep adding those because we are rifling through questions here. And I always want to keep a good backlog of questions coming in from people. You can shoot us an email, send us a tweet on Facebook, or like I said, head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask and leave me a private voicemail. Again, there's no software to download or install. You just literally click the big red button in the middle of the screen, leave me a voicemail, I get it, I let you know that I got it, and we're gonna be adding it to a podcast episode in the future. So let's get into the closing bell segment. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. Moving forward. 
All right, so today's closing bell segment, we're going to talk about a new position that we're getting into in the queues. Now, the queues have been rallying pretty strong, and we already have a position, a couple of positions actually, for January expiration. But now we're going to get into a position for February expiration. Now, the time that we're recording this, the queues are trading much higher, around 158. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and enter a 158 iron butterfly in the queues for February. So that's about 45 days out from the time that we're recording this. And we're selling the 158 calls, selling the 158 puts. And this is where we're basically taking what I talked about in the trader Q&A segment. We're taking some of that premium and we're buying protection $10 out on either end. So on the queues, we're going up to the 168 calls. We're buying those calls for 19 cents. And then down on the bottom side, we're going down to the 148 calls. Again, $10 wide on either end and buying those put options for 77 cents. Now, the reason that we're doing this is to create defined risk. Since the queues are a little bit larger ETF, the little bit larger price at 158, it's probably best for us to define our risk, use a little bit of that premium that we collected from selling the 158 call and put to uh, cap our risk and create this iron butterfly setup, which is effectively like a short straddle with a little bit of protection. If you want to think about that, think of it that way. But again, in our case, we're spending you know basically about 100 bucks out of our premium to to do that, and still collecting about 400 in total premium for all the contracts that we're selling. So really good, nice wide position still in the queues. Queues have the obviously can rally in a 10 dollar range here as we get closer to expiration, and the likelihood that we'll close this thing early for a profit is probably pretty high. So we like this trade. It's the first one that we're going to enter into the queues. If the queues do continue to rally, then we'll ladder into more positions, but we want to give ourselves time to be right here. So a nice 45-day you know, new monthly trade is probably you know something that we need for our portfolio right now. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. And as always, got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, some links mentioned in the show, and some related video training on choosing between debit spreads and credit spreads, how to choose strategies, the whole deal, by going to optionalpha.com slash show 116. Again, optionalpha.com slash show 116. Until next time, happy trading.